Turn in your Bibles to jo Joshua chapter 22. Joshua chapter 22. As we continue with last week. Joshua chapter 22. I have found in the book of Joshua 10 great ways to communicate. But I want to preface my remarks this morning from Joshua 22 with, um, with the fact that this passage of Scripture was not put into the Bible for us to learn how to communicate. It wasn't. But it has become a secondary issue because it is tied to so many things that the Word of God teaches us on how to communicate. Well, if it was not put in the Bible for that reason, then why was it put into the Bible? Now, for your information, the Holy Land is divided into two parts by the Jordan River. Nine and a half tribes have settled on the western side of the Jordan River, and two and a half tribes have been given special permission by Moses to settle on the eastern side of the Jordan River. That natural boundary of the Jordan River has created this problem that we see in this passage of Scripture. When we finally, and I want to get this out of the way first and foremost, because this problem is relatively easily solved because all 12 tribes are on the same page. There is no general disagreement with the substance of the problem. It's more of a personal issue. It's like if you and I are out there and, um, and I, I hire a contractor to put a new roof on my house, and every time it rains, the roof leaks. Well, I, I have a problem, and if I want to try to get him out there and fix it, and he doesn't do it, and he doesn't do it, and he doesn't do it, pardon me, contractors, I don't mean to just, uh, <laughs> but it doesn't make a difference. If you have a, it doesn't make any difference. If you have a problem that's a substantive issue, and you finally say, I don't know what to do. I can't get him to fix the roof. And so you go to the, your attorney, and you say, could you write him a letter? And, and the attorney says, yeah. You go to the attorney, and the attorney says, well, I'll write him a letter. And you say to the attorney, no, 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 no. I'm so angry with this guy. I don't want him on my property at all. And the attorney looks at you and says, well, now you have two problems, not one. You have two. First of all, you have the substantive issue that you're trying to solve, which is a leaky roof. But number two, you have a personal problem. You are so angry and you are so upset that you can't see your way clear to solve the problem. So there's an example of what we're talking about here. But the 12 tribes are all on the same page as far as the substantive issue is concerned. Two and a half tribes built an altar by the Jordan River on their way back when the, when, when the land was all conquered and they were allowed to go home. They built an altar on the side of the Jordan River where the nine and a half tribes were with the idea that they were in this together. The altar was not a violation of the commandment of the Lord, which said that they were never to have more than one worship center in all of Israel because of all of the pagans who had worship centers everywhere. It wasn't a violation of that, but here's what happened. Here's what happened. 
the two, the nine and a half tribes confronted the two and a half tribes. And they said in verse 17 of chapter 22 of Joshua, when they started speaking to them, is the iniquity of Peor not enough for us from which we are not cleansed till this day? Years and years ago, the women of Moab invited all of us into their pagan worship and in their pagan practices, and we got, we got sucked into all of that. And the Lord punished us for it. The Bible says here in 17 that they acknowledge that we're not cleansed this day, although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord. Do we still have this problem where we're not willing to obey the Lord? But he says, but the nine and a half tribes who still don't know the reason why they built the memorial say, you must turn away this day from following, the, must you turn away this day from following the Lord? And it shall be that if you rebel today against the Lord, that tomorrow he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel. So you see, there's where the nine and a half tribes are coming from. They see this altar going up. And they're upset about it because they think it's a violation of God's commandment to only have one altar. They'll find out that that's not true. It's not a violation because they don't intend to worship at that altar in any way, shape, or form. They intend that altar to merely be a reminder to them that they need to cross the Jordan River and go to the worship center. All, that's all it is. But notice that the nine and a half tribes aren't finished with their discussion. They say in verse 19, Nevertheless, if the land of your possession is unclean, then cross over to the land of the possession of the Lord, where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and take possession among us. But do not rebel against the Lord, nor rebel against us, by building yourselves an altar beside the altar of the Lord our God. And they give a second illustration. They give a second illustration that happened not too many years before this when they were conquering the land, the second first city. The first city they conquered was the city of Jericho. And in verse 20, they remind the two and a half tribes that Achan, the son of Zerah, committed a trespass in the accursed thing. And because of his trespass, wrath fell on all the congregation of Israel and that the man did not perish alone in his iniquity. So you see their concern. It's a really important substantive concern, you see. You'll remember that Achan had stolen some things from the city of Jericho that he wasn't supposed to take. He had taken them and he'd hidden them in his tent. And because of that, when the army went to the second city of Ai to conquer it, they were routed by a very few people from that city. And so Joshua was kind of thrown for a loop. Lord, how come, how come only a few people now can rout an army of a couple of thousand people? And the Lord says, well, because someone has disobeyed me. So if I were to give you the purpose of Joshua chapter 22, the purpose of Joshua 22 would be that God wants us to obey him and if we don't obey him, if we don't obey, we pay. How about that for a modern euphemism? If we don't obey, we pay. 
If we don't obey and we disobey, we must suffer, suffer the consequences of our disobedience. It's as simple as that. That's the lesson of Joshua 22. There's no substantive issue whatsoever, but there's a big personal issue here. A big personal issue. And it all, it all is wrapped around the fact that we are all human. And when we try to communicate as human beings, we are imperfect in our ability to communicate in the way that we should communicate. How easily our human nature gets in the way. And by the way, there's not a single one of us that is exempt from that. Our human nature gets in the way, and we don't communicate the way we should. I'm reminded of the lady, the elderly lady, who was sitting on the porch with her husband, and they were enjoying a nice evening out, sitting on the porch, and the wife said to the husband, she was, she was really, really trying to, trying to compliment him. And so as they were sitting on their porch in the cool of the evening, they weren't saying a word until finally she, in complimenting him, said to him, You know, honey, I'm proud of you. And her hard of hearing husband turned, cupped his hand, put his ears close to her as he could, and said, What was that? And she leaned toward him and said it again louder with a very admiring smile on her face. She was trying to compliment him when she said, I'm proud of you, old man. He looked at her in bewilderment and then huffed in response, I'm tired of you too, old woman. <laughs> now that's human nature. That's human nature. Now let's get to these communication skills and see what we can do as we kind of apply all of this together. Now, <clears throat> the uh, passage of Scripture begins in verse 10. We went over three skills yes, last week, and so we're going to give you the positive nature of these skills today. And when they came to the region of the Jordan, now they're all going home after they conquered the land of Canaan. It took them several years to do this, and they all joined together. And now they can all go back and they can enjoy their homes. And when they came to the region of the Jordan of River, which is in the land of Canaan, verse 10 of chapter 22, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh built an altar there by the Jordan River, a great impressive altar. My question is, why didn't they say anything to the nine and a half tribes before they went and did that? Why didn't they talk? See, communication is talking. It's listening, but it's also talking. And sometimes human nature doesn't lead us to say anything. You know, a lot of times we do things and, and we just don't say things to other people. We leave them in the dark about things. Communication skill number one would be share as much and as often as you can with other people about what you are doing, about what you are thinking about what your plans are, about your schedule. Get that information out. There's nothing worse than having someone say, I, I just, I, I, he's so vague, I just don't know on earth what's in his mind or her mind. I don't know what she's thinking. I don't, I, I want that, I want that person to talk to me. Communication skill number one would be, don't in silence say nothing. Share information as often as you can.
if I get up and, and go outside, I usually say to Dawn, I'm, I'm going outside. Or I'm going to get out of the store. Or whatever. Because I know it's important for her to not see that I'm not there and wonder what on earth happened to me. You see? Because then our imaginations run wild with us. Communication skill number two. Verse 11 says, Now the children of Israel heard someone say, Behold, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh have built an altar on the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region of the Jordan on the children of Israel's side. Now the children of Israel heard someone say. It is human nature for us not only not to share information, but it is human nature for us that as soon as we get some information, we allow that information to run wild through our minds. And what does human nature generally do with information that we hear in bits and pieces? Whatever we hear, we generally think the worst. We don't think the best, we think the worst. And so it's important for us to know that's what human nature is all about. That's what we need to try to correct. And so hearsay information, number two, should never, never, never be acted upon. Hearsay information is what gossip is made up of. Hearsay information is what, uh, what insufficient evidence is, is, is made up of. And so it's very important for us to make sure that we stop dead in our tracks and we refuse to put any stock whatsoever in any hearsay information that we have. Do you remember David in 2 Samuel chapter 10? In 2 Samuel chapter 10, David is, um, is friends, so to speak, to some degree, with the next-door neighbor king. And the Bible tells us in the very first verse of chapter 10 that it happened after this that the king of the people of Amnon died and Hanu, his son, reigned in his place. 2 Samuel chapter 10. Then David said, I will show kindness to Hanan, the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness to me. In other words, this guy was a good guy. He and I got together. He got, got along okay. And he showed kindness to me, so I'm going to show kindness to him. I'm going to send a delegation to his funeral. And that's what David did. So David sent by the hand of his servants to comfort him concerning his father. And David's servants came into the land of the people of Ammon. But in verse 3, the princes of the people of Ammon said to Hanan, their lord, do you really think that David has sent this group of people to the funeral to comfort you? Come on. David didn't do that. David came, sent these guys to spy on you. He sent these guys to see everything they could see about what's going on with us here so that they can pounce on us later. And so... They're stuck with the problem of number two, hearsay. David also gets stuck with it later too, but that's for another sermon. 
But let's go to the third principle. And when the children of Israel, verse 12, heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered together at Shiloh to go to war against them. No information leads to a little information. Allow human nature to take its course in all of this. And what happens to us when we find ourselves in the similar situation? Nine times out of ten, we're going to gather together at Shiloh to go to war because we have jumped to conclusions. Now, we had just read earlier, not the, not the response of the two and a half tribes, but but I just told you that they're on the same page as far as the substantive issue goes. They're all in agreement to obey the Lord. They're all in agreement to worship together. They're all in agreement to serve the Lord in the land of Canaan as one nation. But you've got nine and a half nations who are ready to slaughter them. All over hearsay information because not enough information or any information was shared to start with. And we got to be careful about that. I love to tell the, I, 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 I love to tell the, you know, I've often said from the pulpit that when you go to court as a jury, juror and you, and you watch those who have to stand up and they have to, and they have to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I, I told you that the first time I was in court, I, I thought, I'm too busy to have to be here as in the jury for a court. And uh, when, they, when they got up and said to everybody, listen, you promised to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, I says, why don't you guys shorten that? Why don't you guys just say, you promised to tell the truth, and let's get on with this. That's what I was thinking. But you see, you got to tell not only the truth, but the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And the reason why we have to do that is because if you don't get the whole truth and nothing but the truth, you can easily be deceived into believing a lie. And you all know the story about the captain and the first mate, right? Where the first mate says, Captain, sober today. So I won't go into that. But that's number three. And these are the, this is the human nature kind of a problem that generally gets us into a situation where communication isn't going to go very well unless we solve that problem. Well, the nine and a half tribes decide that they're going to solve that problem. In verse 13, Then the children of Israel sent Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, to the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh, into the land of Gilead, and with them ten rulers, one ruler from each of the chief houses of every tribe of Israel. And so in order, they looked at this and they realized this is, this is wrong. We can't do this. We need somebody probably with a saner head said, you know, guys, here we are. We're ready to slaughter them, and we don't even really know why. We haven't talked to anybody about this yet at all. Let's go talk about it. Let's go talk about it. And so rule number four would be whenever you find yourself, because you will, Whenever you find yourself in a situation where your communication isn't going very well because of a violation of the first three principles, one, two, or three, you need to be willing to go and sit down and talk to the other person. You must do that. In, and, and the Bible says that when you go and talk to the other person, the Bible gives us so many good bits of advice, pieces of advice as to how to handle the situation 
But unfortunately, the nine and a half tribes don't start off very well. Once again, their human nature gets the better of them, just as your human nature and my human nature will get the better of us. And here's what happens. They do the right thing with principle number four, but principle number five falls flat initially. Then they came to the children of Reuben, to the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh, verse 15, to the land of Gilead, and they spoke with them, saying, Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, look at this, everybody together, what treachery is this that you have committed against the God of Israel? Now, they're not committing any treachery, but it doesn't stop them from accusing them of doing it. Isn't that how, isn't that how this works? Isn't that how it goes? I, I, I referred to last week, and I just, just, just to let you know that I, I understand this very, very well. You know, if I lose my keys, my first human impression is that somebody stole them. I, I shared that with you last week. And if I realize right off the bat that, wait a minute, wait a minute, how could that happen? Because it's only my wife and I in the house. My next, the next temptation that Satan's going to give to me is, your wife moved them. Right? And, 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 I, and I, I got all of you last week to admit that you've had the same kind of a thing happen to you. That's just human nature. That's just human nature. Now, the thing is, the thing is, the nine and a half tribes, they come to the two and a half tribes, and immediately they make a false accusation. Now, when you see this in writing, it's different, no doubt, than when if you'd have heard it in person. If we could have been a fly on the wall and heard this conversation in person, we could have added some details to this. We could have said, man, they hollered and screamed at them. We don't know. We know they were angry. We know they were upset. We know that they were sharing information with them that accused them of wrongdoing. And so principle number five would be that we should not, we should catch ourselves in our conversations and make sure that we make it safe to communicate. Draw. If you didn't do anything wrong, you hate it when someone tells you you did. When they don't have the whole truth and nothing but the truth, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's number five. And then the Bible says that they discuss the substantive issue that's right there. And we don't need to look at that. We already, we already began the, the sermon with that one. But I want you to skip over verses 17, 18, 19, and 20. And I want you to go to 21 now. Because as far as the framework goes, not only do we need to make sure we share information, we don't listen to hearsay information, we refuse to accept that under every circumstance, we don't jump to conclusions, we go and talk it out when we don't know what's going on, and number five, we need to make it safe to communicate, it's important for us to remember that when we go and talk it out, there's the other party or the other person that you want to respond. And fortunately, the two and a half tribes are good enough to respond. Then the children of Reuben, verse 21, the children of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh answered the nine and a half tribes. You and I are going to be on the fence 
both sides from time to time. We're going to be in a situation where we need to go talk to somebody, and when we do that, we want them to respond back to us, right? You don't want to be like the couple where the husband comes home from work and he sees that his wife is really out of sorts and he says, what's wrong, honey? And she says, nothing. He knows better. But she says, nothing. Oh, honey, you, you definitely are, 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 are uh, upset. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. So you're going to be in a situation where you're going to want the other person to respond, but you're also going to be in a situation where someone needs to talk to you, and you'll need to be willing to sit down and say, okay, okay, as busy as I am and as much as I don't want to do this, in your mind as you think about it, you want to say, okay, I'm willing to sit down and talk with you about that. You'll be on that side of offense. And so the nine and a half tribes, so be willing to always respond. And then the next thing is, is what they say in response. Now, fortunately, they handle this very, very well. Fortunately, they handle this uh, in a way that really honors the Lord, no doubt. In verse 22, the Bible says that the, here's what they said to the children, the nine and a half tribes in verse 22. The Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, he knows. And let Israel itself know if it is in rebellion or if in treachery against the Lord, do not save us this day. If we have built ourselves an altar to turn from following the Lord, you have every right to require that at our account. But we haven't done that. In fact, we're getting ready to cross the Jordan River, and here's their simple explanation. We're getting ready to cross the Jordan River, and we're all sitting there saying, you know what, this boundary line might be a problem, not for our friends here today, but for the next generation of kids coming up. They might not know why the boundary's here, and they may not know the connection we all have together. You know how generations can change a country. Now, it takes a generation to change a country. And they were concerned about the next generation. They said, you know what? It's possible that the next generation is going to look at our generation and say, you know what? You guys have nothing to do with us. And so we built the altar here so that we would all be unified together, not only as one nation, but we would be unified in recognizing that we need to come across the Jordan River to worship the Lord. That was their response. But I want you to read between the lines just for a minute on number 20, on verse 22. On verse 22. The Lord, the Lord God of gods, the Lord God of gods, he knows. It's like we're going to cross our heart and hope to die if we tell you what's not true. We are going to be as open with you as we possibly can. We're going to be as honest with you as we possibly can. We're going to be as humble with you as we possibly can. I see in the response all three of those things, and I wrap them up in one communication skill because you can't have one or two without the third or each without the other. You can't. If you're going to be open, then you're going to be humble. And if you're going to be open and humble, then you're going to be honest. Otherwise, if you're going to be closed-minded, you're going to be proud. And if you're going to be proud, you're going to be deceptive. They all work hand in hand. 
And so the nine and a half tribes respond, and that's communication skill number seven. And so uh, they explained themselves very thoroughly in verses 24 and following. Now, now, I said to you that from our human perspective that we always have to watch out for, the first three communication skills tend to get us into trouble. The next four communication skills that I discovered in this passage of Scripture are the ones that we need to rigidly apply to make sure we can work out the problem, whatever it is. The last three communication skills will indicate to you whether or not you're moving in the right direction or not. Whether you're moving to a resolution or whether it's going to be a stalemate and you're going to have the problem persist for the, for the foreseeable future. The next three. And that's why it's very important to... to I, this is a wonderful passage of Scripture. You, for years and years and years and years, I was trying to figure out what the best, best most important essential communication skills were in any, in any relationship. Because there are hundreds. There are hundreds of skills. There are multiple books. And the Bible gives to us uh, probably over 100 communication skills easily. And I boiled it all down and I came up with, uh, with 10 that I thought were very valuable. And here I am reading the book of Joshua. And I come to Joshua 22 and I says, wow, they're all right there. All in one passage of scripture. I don't have to try to memorize them. All I need to do is remember the story and they'll kind of fall out in my mind. So here's the last three. These are an indication as to how well you are, going, uh, you are doing in the process. So communication skill number eight begins at verse 30. I'll just mention these. We won't take much time. Now, when Phinehas the priest and the rulers of the congregation, the heads of the divisions of Israel who were with them, heard the words that the children of Reuben, children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh spoke, it pleased them. And then Phinehas responded. And Phinehas says in verse 31 at the end of the verse, This day we perceive that the Lord is among us because you have not committed this treachery against the Lord. Now, did, he, did they really hear? He did. He heard well enough to be able to say, I can even repeat back to you what I heard. Listen. Are you listening? That's the key. When you're in communication with someone and you're dealing with an issue... Are you really listening? If you are really listening, you are putting yourself in the other person's shoes and taking a look at things from their perspective. If you're not listening, you only care about what you're going to say. You only care about it getting your point across, and it's not going to go very well. Communication skill number nine. There's so much that could be said about every single one of these. There's so many illustrations in Scripture that we could pull into every one of these skills. But the Bible says in verse 32 <clears throat> that Phinehas and the son of Eleazar the priests and the rulers returned from the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and from the land of Gilead to the land of Canaan to the children of Israel, and they, everybody together, brought back word to them. No conversation is almost ever isolated from the rest of the world. Almost never happens. And this was no exception. 
and think about the impression that the nine and a half tribes were under. They go, they get the true story, they come back, and they realize, oh, we have a responsibility to make sure we correct the problem that has been created by this miscommunication. It is our responsibility. You guys get on your phones and you call all of the friends that you talk to who are under the wrong impression. You know, there's been some casual conversation about all of this, and we need to make sure that we get out there and talk to everybody who has it wrong so that we can make it right. Now, you can't always do that, but we need to try. But I think there's a communication skill that goes along with this that kind of can preempt the need to do that, and that would be take responsibility for what you say in the first place so you don't have to go back and correct anything. <laughs> you know, be the one who says, you know what, we don't have all the facts yet. Be the one who says, I want to hear what you have to say. I'm interested to know what it's like from your perspective. Be the person who is going to use good communication skills in order to prevent the need to go back and undo the damage. Because in reality, damage is hard to undo. It's like the, it's like the lady in the Middle Ages, and I've shared this. Um, stop me if, if, if you all know, just say biggest shout out, amen, we've heard this before, I don't know. But anyway, this lady in the Middle Ages said, uh, um, you know, I've ruined everybody's reputation in the village and where I live. I've talked about everybody under the sun. She went to the pastor of the church in the village, and she said, what can I do? She says, I have no friends now. I'm a lonely person. I feel so guilty about what I've done, and I want to try to correct my mistakes. Pastor thought about it and said, well, you come back. I've got to think about this one. She came back, and he gave her a basket of feathers and said, I want you to, go to, I want you to take these feathers up to the top of the belfry of the church. And when you get up in the belfry, I want you to shake all the feathers out in the breeze. And then come back. She took the basket of feathers up to the top of the belfry of the church. She shook the basket of feathers out. She came back down to the ground and said to the pastor, um, okay. And he looked at her and says, now take the basket out and collect all the feathers. And she said, I can't do it. Nobody could do that. And he says, precisely. She said, you can never take back anything you've ever said. You can never take back anything you've ever said. And unfortunately, what's human nature going to do with negative things that people have ever said? You're going to remember those. You might not remember all the good stuff, but boy, human nature is what leads us to remember all the bad stuff, right? Right? So he said to her, if you want to correct this problem... The first thing you need to realize is you can't take anything back, but we'll work on it. We'll work on you correcting uh, the issue with your neighbors and your friends. But the best thing is not to in the first place. And then finally, finally, the last communication skill here would be in verse 33. So the thing pleased the children of Israel, and the children of Israel blessed God, and they spoke no more of going against them in battle. They spoke no more of going against them in battle. How do you know if you're moving in the right direction? Well, if you're a listener, if you're a listener and you're listening and putting yourself in another person's shoes, you're moving in the right direction. If you're taking responsibility for everything you say, 
you're probably moving in the right direction. But you'll know if you're moving in the right direction whether you have the capacity in verse 33 to forgive and forget. They spoke no more of going against them in battle. Now, I'm going to clear this up in just a, a minute here, but you've got to hear me out on this one because we have some kind of thinking out there that uh, forgiveness is forgiveness, but it doesn't involve forgetting. You've heard that it's everywhere. Now, what does the Bible mean when the Bible says that we are to forgive and forget? Because the Bible does say we are to forget. But it doesn't mean that you're not going to remember what happened. But when you get to the place where you don't remember it anymore because you're not bringing it up anymore and because there's no pain associated with it, you can probably say, I have finally, in this process of forgiving, have forgotten and that's the neat thing about it. That's the neat thing about it. Forgiving and forgetting. And I'll just, it, I'll pr let me prove it real quickly from Scripture. On the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament, two goats were to be brought to the congregation. The first goat was sacrificed where people forgave people, gave them that their right for justice under those circumstances, and the, then they accepted the sacrifice. The second goat, everybody laid their hands on that goat and they confessed every sin they could possibly think of that they've ever committed. And then one person had to take that goat out in the wilderness to get it lost. Forgive and forget. And if you're moving in that direction, you'll resolve whatever the problem is that brought you to where you were in the first place. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray in your precious name that you would remind us of the substantive issue here in this passage of Scripture. Certainly it was a huge concern that the nation would suffer because of the disobedience of even a few people. But gracious Heavenly Father, we know that you are gracious and you teach us more about that kind of thing in your word. And we thank you, Lord, that even in our nation, when we look at the righteousness that is uh, disintegrating, when we look at the social uh, issues that are becoming so prevalent, Father, we pray that you'd be merciful to us as a nation, and Lord, that you would honor our obedience. And then, Father, help us to apply these 10 communication skills that are so obviously standing out in this passage of Scripture whenever we talk to others where there's an issue involved. And Lord, remind us that our human natures are such that none of us will ever be perfect. But Father, we pray that we will continue to grow in our ability to communicate well. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.